0: Hello and welcome to the Learn Medical Art Podcast, where we share our tips, tricks and advice on the medical illustration and animation industry. I'm Emily Holden, a medical illustrator and animator.
1: And I'm Anna Campbell, also a medical illustrator and animator. You can find our show notes and resources from this episode and more educational content, such as industry interviews, tutorials and more at www.learnmedical.art. So... What are we discussing today, Annie? So, Emily, I wanted us to take a moment today to talk about CVs and how you can present yourself in the best way possible when applying for jobs. Now, I I don't want us to go over the very basics of CV etiquette. That kind of information you can easily find in online articles. And I'm sure our listeners are smart enough to go source that themselves. What I wanted to chat to you about today was our experiences when looking at other people's CVs, and maybe people can get some tips or insights into what an employer thinks when they look at people's work. How does that sound to you? Yep, that sounds good. Let's get started. So Emily, I don't know about you, but the first thing that really stands out to me when I look at someone's CV is whether they followed our instructions. In our instructions, we ask for a specific file type and to have things sent to us in certain file formats. We do this for a wide variety of reasons, but the main one is to see whether they can follow instructions. And it's funny, you get a lot of people that say they're extremely detail-oriented, but they tend to miss this pretty major thing and they send us the wrong file formats or external links or share Dropbox locations. Yeah, and it keeps
0: happening. It's like <laughs> they decide to miss the instructions on how to apply. Also, the potential employer may not have a Dropbox or a OneDrive account, and it's not likely that they will go out their way to download it, especially to view your CV or portfolio.
1: Yeah, sometimes when I'm viewing these applications, I'm viewing them on my iPad or phone if I'm on the go, and it just complicates everything, especially when I'm really excited to see their work, and I can't. Oh,
0: definitely. Oh, and at this point, Annie, I just want to quickly talk about this. The worst part for me is getting a blank email with a link. Oh, I know let's just quickly go through some just general email etiquette i've been surprised by how many emails we've had with no introduction no good morning what? nothing just um an empty email with a link why, why? <laughs> or sometimes we've had a couple of um dear sirs Ooh. and it's, no no sir no. no you're giving the impression that you've not even done your research uh, about the company itself
1: yeah i mean those cvs they tend to go in the no-no pile. We're we're a pretty small team, so it's kind of difficult to get confused as to who these CVs are being addressed to. We're also a team of women, so there's no sirs here. (laughs) No.
0: Yeah, your email, your CV, and portfolio is sent to an employer, and this is the first impression they will get of you. You need to make it count. You might have actually put together a really nice cover letter buried in your CV, but you can also add some of this into your submission email itself things like I'm very excited to apply for the role mm. or I love the work that your company does especially mm. xyz let them know that you're actually aware of the work that they're producing and it's not just one of these firing your cvs to like loads of companies even like really nice little notes like oh it's been a goal of mine to work for your team I've always admired your stuff <laughs> you know yeah just butter up the potential employer
1: <laughs> yes just just small little things to show that you know what a company does or what kind of projects that they've done I think it might be worth doing another episode about email etiquette or even interacting with a company on social media don't you think emily yeah that sounds good actually i think let's make a note of that okay right Done. <laughs> so uh where was i with the cv stuff ah yes now our company asks for a pdf cv resume and portfolio and it's not because we have a preference over a word document or something else we outline specific file instructions for a couple of reasons and i wanted to go over them today firstly is to see whether or not they can follow instructions <laughs> <laughs> it's, a tra- <laughs> it's a trap it's a trap you'd be surprised but not paying attention to this can tell us a lot about a person and whether or not this person is super Suitable to work as part of this team. We write a lot of instructions in our assignments and we need our artists to hit every point in their assignment to-do list. Now pick and choose whatever is convenient for them because at the end of the day we're not servicing ourselves, we're servicing clients that we really value and when things get missed it causes a domino effect that can cause a lot of problems. Yeah
0: definitely instructions is one of the main things. I've had friends in HR and larger organizations mention how some people don't use the online application form as instructed in Instead, they send their CV in a different format and this really bugs the hell out of them because they just have to sit there and spend time inputting all of the applicants' data into the online form. They need this information because it gets uploaded onto their system. And when it comes to picking candidates for the interview process, HR remembers these individuals and not for good reasons uh-huh. too. Other than following instructions, why else would you provide specific instructions?
1: That story is kind of perfect because another reason we ask for specific file formats is that we kind of want an offline version of their portfolios or their CVs in case their websites get pulled down or their domain name changes. So we we might not have a person in a full-time position but we might consider them for freelance work further down the line and we select freelancers based off the portfolios they send us. We keep them in an internal library and review the portfolios together as a team and it sucks when we really like an artist but their website's laid down because they haven't paid the domain or they decided to rebrand themselves or that was the only link we have to their work and it suddenly expired. If we don't have any that we can share with our clients if we're pulling together this extended creative team, we can't really use them as a freelancer. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of a lost opportunity there.
0: Yeah, I think it's important for you to plant the seeds and make sure that it's easy for the potential employer to find you in case you do change your URL or you decide to make more of a company name for yourself and change your website details. It's just important to get on people's radar and always have that little paper trail so they can find you again.
1: skills might be suitable for a future project. And I wouldn't want a first impression of not following instructions to kind of hinder that decision process. And speaking of skills, uh, another reason we ask for specific file types is that we're also analyzing whether or not they have the skills and knowledge on how to work with PDF exports, vector formats, and programs like InDesign because a lot of design work that we do requires that very basic skill. So if someone's unable to produce a suitable PDF that can be included in an email attachment, then they go down in the application list. If they have provided, PDF, we're going to review it with a fine-tooth comb. So if someone has included icons or logos in their PDF, I'm zooming in to see if they're vector. If they're rasterized or pixelated, they're kind of put in a no-no pile.
0: Yeah, whenever there are graphic elements um, like icons in the CV, I assess to see whether the icon designs are cohesive with one another as well. Mm-hmm. I think whether they're sized or colorized in the same way. And it's surprising to me to see just how many people are grabbing just like a JPEG icon off the internet, which is probably breaking a couple of copyright rules in itself (laughs) and then just like throwing it in there without considering any design choices
1: and if you want to use icons there are great websites like noun project where you can download vector icons and use them with attribution or pay a minimal fee for them there's also a lot of free icon libraries out there so it's worth spending some time searching and refining this if you're gonna go so far as to put icons into your cv the details matter here
0: And speaking of design, the layout of your CV does matter as well. Graphic design is really important in our fields, and you can showcase your graphic design skills by the way that you design your CV. Text alignment, font sizing, font pairing can make or break your CV. We don't mind the type of color that you use, as long as it works.
1: Yeah, I think it's all down to the overall design rather than one single element when it comes to adding color, but type design really does matter. For sure. And when we talk about type design,
0: here are some of the things that really stand out to us. We assess whether the text is easy to read the font style the size or even the amount of fonts that there is in a cv can affect the legibility of text it's useful to understand terminology like line spacing alignment or kerning when working with type
1: and there's great resources out there emily that was shared many years ago that really helped me understand this terminology and it's called thinkingwithtype.com and we'll add it to the show notes as you know it's worth checking out think now if you're feeling overwhelmed or
0: unconfident in your layout design skills a good rule of thumb is to keep it really simple and keep it nice and clean Mm -hmm. and before you send anything off make sure you do two quality checks Mm -hmm. (laughs) the first is to go through your text to make sure that there are no spelling or grammatical errors And the second is a design check to make sure that your text is aligned correctly. The colors are cohesive and icons and font sizings are cohesive and all of your hyperlinks are working.
1: It's not great to see when people say they're detail-oriented on their CV and we see things like spelling mistakes or design mistakes. This is only evidence to show that maybe you're not detail-oriented. Now, this is like totally rich coming from me where all of my social media posts are riddled with spelling mistakes (laughs) and the rest of the team tells me and the audience all the time oh, No. so maybe that's why I'm trying to hire someone who can spell <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah
1: I think that's
0: one it's a really important thing to add we're not like innocent in any of this we're only saying it I think a lot of it's through experience of looking through people's CVs but also knowing ourselves that we have put up content or stuff that has had spelling mistakes and we just wish we had done that one last check before uploading it it would have been much better than having that post that you just can't take down from somewhere and (laughs) it's just up there with a big glaring spelling mistake forever
1: oh yeah (laughs) there's so many of them glaring at me each time so, Emily, this whole design aspect of CVs, that seems like a lot of work. And some people might wonder, is it worth all the effort? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, mm-hmm.
0: we're a small studio. So our team have multiple skills, so they can pivot between projects. Graphic design is one of those skills that we look for in candidates. And it's a skill that's becoming more increasingly in demand as companies are looking for medical illustrators that know a bit of everything. Mm -hmm. But people might say that graphic design doesn't really matter. If you're looking to work for a larger organization, you would maybe just be hired as an illustrator or as an animator. Mm -hmm. And they probably have a whole graphic design department on hand to help them do this.
1: For sure. And we've worked for companies like that. But I want you to consider this. If you're a junior artist, for example, and you want to progress to a role of, say, like an art director, you're probably going to need some graphic design skills to land that role or, you know, be seen to be put on that track. For some art director roles, you need to create pitch documents for your company or oversee branding guidelines for the visuals you create. If you don't have these graphic design skills to create content and sales tools that to help represent and sell the company that you work for, then it's going to be very difficult to get into those types of positions.
0: Yeah, that's very true. And then again, then again, if you're quite happy doing work as an illustrator or animator, that's totally fine. You don't have to be crazy amazing at graphic design. You maybe just need to have some very basics focus on that and keep the design of your CV simple and clean. There's no need to throw in a load of razzle-dazzle design and also maybe try and steer away from those template documents that you can download for free Mm. online because you can just tell when you've had a few CVs that are all laid out in the exact same way and maybe there's only just a slight color tweak between them. It's not really showing your personality in it. Mm-hmm. Is it. Is it worth just using a cookie cutter for your CV when you could maybe just think a little bit more about the design yourself?
1: Right. And and we've mentioned some resources already to kind of help you with keeping things looking nice and clean so that you can create a design from scratch and make it unique to you. Now, another thing we look at in CVs are skills, which is something <laughs> people can add to their CVs to show employers what programs or software they're familiar with. And I'm all for having a list of software in there. It kind of shows me that this person has had experience in using certain industry-specific software. One thing that we do notice, and it's definitely a trend that we see, is that there's always these
0: little skill bars, mm. side software programs. A person will have maybe like five, let's call them stars, but it's normally like an adult or it'll be like a progress bar graphic. Maybe someone will rate themselves five out of five for Photoshop or something like that. And that means that they're considering themselves really advanced in their Photoshop knowledge or technique. It's just a little bit too subjective or you'll maybe have even just like three dots. So you're doing like beginner, intermediate, expert. Uh Well, if you're an expert at this, then you should be one of the the top branding agencies in the company or you should be working in Hollywood or like, you know things like that it's kind of why are you applying to this role if you are a five out of five in after effects why are you coming to us yeah. this type of design trend can be a disadvantage to the candidate because they're saying to us that they're a master and if we go okay that sounds great we always look at the tv first and then we jump into the pdf and we go oh
1: Yeah, and the evidence is always in a portfolio, isn't it? But it's never usually the case, is it, Emily? No, sadly, it rarely
0: is. And this is where maybe this design trend can let you down here, because you're telling us that you've mastered the software program and there's nothing more we can teach you. So rather than having a bar of stars or skill level in the software, maybe just list the software that you know on your CV and we'll be able to assess how well you can use it from looking at your portfolio itself.
1: Now, speaking of listing skills, one thing that might be special For medical illustrators or animators, are industry specific skills. So, I've seen some of my colleagues and friends list anatomy knowledge, like surgical illustration or molecular illustration, or like they have laboratory experience as part of their list of skills. This is something that might be useful because sometimes you might need a team member or a freelancer that has a specialty in a medical area, like molecular visualization. Emily, you're our resident head and teeth specialist because of your time at the dental school (laughs) and our team always finds it useful to look to you for knowledge if we're ever stuck. I suppose if using you as an example, if you were applying for a job, you could put head and neck anatomy as part of your anatomy skills section on your CV. (laughs) Thinking off the top of your head, what other specific skills might be applicable for our industry?
0: Well, for digital illustration or design, there's usually the whole Adobe Creative Cloud suite, so Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, mm. or animation, people could list things like After Effects, 3D programs like Maya, Cinema 4D, 3DS Max, Houdini. For specific skills for working with data, could include knowledge of segmentation software like 3D Slicer, mm. Amira, VG Studio Max. 14 databank, Camera, Pymol the list just goes on and only add software and knowledge based on the skills that you know you have or have worked on before i know personally that i'm very guilty of most of the things actually from <laughs> uh, over my time with all these cv things and i think one thing that i did have on my cv was that i did have knowledge of stuff that i maybe only just really delved lightly on mm. and then it kind of it did get pulled up in an interview like so how much do you know about html and i was like um <laughs> <can we> just. <laughs> can we just go back to my uh, slideshow here and just talk about this instead? That's and I was brilliant. Like, yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think luckily enough, I think um, my actual portfolio and the fact that I had all these other skills was kind of like, oh, well, You could learn that yeah if you've learned that you can learn that that's fine so that was fine but yeah just don't don't list things that you might get caught out on especially if you said that you're a kind of intermediate master at something and then html but it's mostly like your time in myspace or something like that yeah (laughs) because i I had a really nice myspace layout when i was like 13
1: amazing um um,
0: so (laughs) or maybe i just like tried to crash learn it in like one week before the interview but hey-ho it's fine So yeah, I think don't don't list anything that you are not comfortable to be pulled up in an interview because you might get a difficult question. And if you genuinely are not an expert or intermediate at this area, then it could potentially be very awkward.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and you're totally right. People do check. If a person lists something like Unity in their CV, I'm going to go and like, cross-reference this and try and find evidence of a Unity project in their portfolio, not to like cash them out. I'm just really interested to see that. I'm really excited to see that because I don't know it so i want a person that does know it more often than not we get applicants that have listed a whole bunch of skills and software and the only thing that we see in their portfolios are are pencil sketches or photoshop illustrations and i'm real sad about that
0: this brings us nicely to cross-checking your cv with your portfolio any projects or skills that you mention in your CV should be reflected in your portfolio, and you don't want to mention something and then the employers chasing you up for it because more often than not they won't bother. So you might have mentioned that you've got experience in doing this or that, or you worked on this amazing project that you learned all these things from, but then it's not in your portfolio, and if there's no evidence of it, then to the employer it kind of doesn't really count unless you can see it.
1: We sometimes follow up if we have time, but we're mostly too busy with client projects to chase after candidates to see. People pieces of their work. And you know these projects might sound great on paper, but we make our final decision after seeing their portfolio. And that's very much the case with a lot of creative industries.
0: Now, some people might say that they cannot share certain projects or have nothing to show in their portfolio because of the non-disclosure agreements with previous companies. And that's okay. In cases like this, you should probably have some personal side projects in your portfolio that reflect the type of work that you've done commercially. And again, employers need evidence of this in order to make a decision. They're not going to take your words that you're really, really good at it. Um, (laughs) They need to actually make that decision for themselves.
1: If we have one candidate that has a great CV, but no portfolio to back up that CV, and on the other hand, we have this other equally amazing candidate that has a great CV and a portfolio, we're going to go with the other candidate when it comes to selecting people for the interview process, because they've done all the hard legwork and they've considered their audience. And it shows us that probably going to do the same if they work with our clients clients. On that
0: note I think it'd be a great time to just wrap it up and do a quick summary. Let's go over what we've covered and what the
1: main takeaways are for our listeners. Number one first impressions do matter so make sure you follow instructions. Like they say in all online articles out there cater your CV for the specific job you're applying for. Number two consider graphic design basics in your CV. Resources like thinkingwithtype.com are great to help you get started. Number three, keep it simple, keep it clean. It's a great model to follow when it comes to type design for CVs. Number four, avoid bad CV trends that can put you at a disadvantage like those skill bars. Number five, see if you can add industry-specific skills like your anatomy knowledge as well as software. Number six, do two quality checks. One for grammar and spelling and the other for design. Number seven, anything listed on your CV should be reflected in your portfolio. And lastly, number eight, think about your audience and who you're sending the CV to. Make it easy for them to appreciate the amazing work that you do. And I think that's probably enough for people to get started, Emily. That sounds great. Thanks,
0: Annie. And thanks everyone for tuning in to our Learn Medical Art podcast. You can find our show notes and resources from this episode on our website, www.learnmedical.art. Give us a follow on social media at Learn Medical Art, And if you want to get in touch, you can reach us via our website or send us a direct message.
1: If you like this episode, go ahead, leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Stay tuned for our next episode where you share more tips, tricks and advice on working in the medical illustration and animation industry.